So we're going to pray for our nation here in a few moments. We're going to pray for Afghanistan, obviously. We're going to pray for, you know, just the, the storm that's coming on our land down in the Louisiana area. <clears throat> but really, these are similar to types and shadows of what you and I face in our everyday walk. These are similar types and shadows of what you and I face whenever we try to walk out the assignment that God has on our life, what God has called us to, what God has created us for, what God has summoned us to. As we look at it, look at me real quickly. I mean, I just kind of got into this, so I was on the front row having Steph look for Scripture references with me on this particular part. We go back to a time where Moses was still the main guy, right? And he sent Joshua and Caleb. He sent Joshua and Caleb uh, with the other 10 spies. They were part of the 12 spies to go over and spy out the land of the promised land, right? Everybody say promised land. And as they went over to spy out the promised land, uh, they came back and 10 of the spies had a report it was true, but not the whole truth. It was factual, but not truth, according to God and what God said about it. And what did they say? Man, they came back and they just laid, it sounded kind of like our news this week, right? Or any other time or any other time we're facing. Says, uh, see, we're at Numbers 13, verse 25. And they returned from the spying out of the land after 40 days. Now they departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron. And they came back to Moses and Aaron, Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back the word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. So they're showing them the promise, the good stuff, right? Then they told them and said, we went in the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruits, huge fruits, bigger than they'd ever seen in their life. Nevertheless, now, Whenever God says nevertheless, that's a good thing. But when man says nevertheless, it's usually not so good, right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, they said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. 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 I want to say Anak. You can say it Anak or Anak either way. We're there. In other words, they're giants. They were considered the giants, right? So the fortified were very large, and they saw the descendants of the giants there. Everybody say the giants. You, you kind of look at things we're facing in our nation, it seems like giants, doesn't it? So many things. It's like every day you wake up, it's another giant. It's another problem. It's another thing. And what I want you to realize, whenever you operate according to God's promise over your life, then you will not be so concerned about the problems. The problems lead you to and through the promise. If there's no problems or no problems for us to solve, then we, we won't look into the depths and be the mature people God calls us to be. We won't operate according to the design that he called us to, to operate with faith and not out of fear, you know, with abundance and not out of lack. So what I want you to realize this morning is whenever we come in, what, what was that line we were talking about, Steph, about promise and fear? Do you remember? Throw you on the spot about, that's okay. It hit me in a minute. I'm sorry. So the, Am the, the Amicots dwell there in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the ites, right? 
Then Caleb quieted the people. And I love Caleb. And, and, and quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. We are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him, then they said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children Israel a bad report, children of Israel a bad report in the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which through which the, we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom they saw in it, men of great stature, talking about this, verse 33. Then we saw the giants. We saw the descendants of them, right? Their kids and grandkids, but then we saw the giants, the descendants of Adak. And, they, and, and, uh, and we were like grasshoppers in their own sight. Think about that now. Whenever, you know, they were looking at it, the 10 spies were looking at it based on facts, what they see, what they're told. Now, I'm sure they didn't see anyone devoured while they were there, right, by giants. But their, their imagination is going. But it's different when you look at your problem as a problem then you look at it as a, a, a roadway to your promise. I said it's different when you look at your problem as a problem versus looking at it as a roadway to your promise. Now, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about destiny, Derek, in the Hebrew language, and that talks about a, a roadway, a pathway. It, it talks about a destination, doesn't it? And what is it? It's not, destiny is not about getting to a destination. Destiny is about the journey along the roadway. So what, that's what we do. We don't create our destiny because we don't create. God's the creator, right? We discover our destiny. We don't produce. We can't make our destiny happen. We only fulfill our destiny by walking according to what we hear God say and what we see he tells us to do. So as we see this, they are so caught up in what's in front of them, the problem, the situation, the circumstance. But what I want to realize, the greater problems you solve, the greater your destiny is. The greater problems you're facing right now, just it, it, it amplifies the promise that God has designed for your life. It amplifies God's best for you. Well, it's the worst of times. Well, that means it's the best of times. What? It's the worst times, but it's the best time. Well, when it's the worst of times, that gives God an opportunity to show up and to use you in that time to bring the best of God. In other words, if I'm just looking at my problems, my life, my struggles, and all this, I'm looking at the world, and I can't control it. I, I look at the news. I see all this stuff. There's a lot of horrific things, I agree, going on. And, and as I look at that, if I look at that through what I see as facts, I'll go crazy. But if I look at it and say, that's the pathway to my promise. Everybody say, my problems are a pathway to my promise. Now, I'm not talking about your promise you made up in your own mind. I'm talking about the promises that God has spoken over your life out of Deuteronomy, right? You're, you're going in blessed. You're coming out blessed, right? You're the head, not the tail. So as we look at this, then the whole congregation of the people, the whole nation, in other words, raised up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children, uh, children came against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if I only had died, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Oh, they're saying, Lord, man, Moses, we'd just been better off to die than to come and face these giants that eat people and devour people. Why, why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children uh, should 
become victims. Would it be better for us just to return to Egypt? So we'll just go back to slavery. Well, I'm sure Pharaoh would treat you really good when you took all of his cattle and his gold and his silver, right? I'm sure he'd really appreciate having you back, not counting the number of soldiers he lost in the Red Sea. So they said to one another, let us select a leader to return us to Egypt. And it went all this stuff through Moses and Aaron and all this good stuff. So in other words, we see that, well, let me read it. So then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces and the assembly of this great congregation of children of Israel. Verse 6, but Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jebedah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They're like, you're wanting to remove the leadership. You're, you're so focused on, you know, what's going on around you versus what God promised you, right? <clears throat> Verse 7, they spoke up to the, to the whole congregation, children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly a good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, the land which flows with milk and honey. Verse 9, look at this. Now, that's the words I'm trying to get to. I was getting, coming to. Only do not rebel against the Lord. For the fear of the people, for the fear of the land, for they are our bread. Wait a minute. Who's our bread? Who's in the, who's in the land? What kind of people are in the land? What kind of people are in the land? Giants. The giants are in the land standing between the children of Israel and their promise. It says, only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. In other words, he said, it doesn't matter what Satan brings at you. It doesn't matter what comes from the hordes of hell. It doesn't matter what giant you're facing that, that's standing between you and your promise. If you're willing to not fear, everybody say, not fear. <laughs> But have faith, what's that? Knowing and trusting God in what he has said and what his, his word says over you and what he's even spoken in you and over your life through other people that are men and women of God. And if, you, if you'll just focus on the promise and not be in fear of the fight, the giants are going to become your bread. What's bread represent? Number one, the word of God we know in the new covenant, but he also represents nourishment, doesn't it? In other words, the very giants you're fearful of is where your nourishment lies to step into your promise. Hmm. The very giants in the land, the very giants in the nations, and nations of the world, when we look at them, we can just cower down and go, well, I'll just get me and my family to heaven. That's all I know. Praise God. That's about, no, 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 no. Listen, that entire generation of the children of Israel, because they decided not to go over with the two, right? Joshua and Caleb, what happened? They went around for 40 more years and everyone died but Joshua, Caleb, and their families. And then their older men, when this new generation that's in their 40s is up here, right? This new generation is up, and they're the ones that when Moses died, what? God used first Joshua, alongside him Caleb, to go in to the promised land. Now, when they cross into the promised land, listen, 
You're going to have to fight for your promises, people. You, you, you can't just lay around and hope it all turns out someday and everything turns up rosies and posies for you. You've you got to get in your mindset, in your heart, that this is our nation and this is a nation under God, indivisible, and we are one in God, people from all different races and faiths and backgrounds. We are still God's nation. It's the only nation I know of that's founded under God. It's, I know it's the only one that has God on the money and God we trust. Oh, that's good. You started to clap. Go on, clap there. That's good. So if God be for us, what giant can stand against us? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Isn't that what the scripture says? Neither death, nor life, nor height, nor any of that. Death or height, what is it? Death or height, life or death, whatever. None of that. Whole big list in there that can't separate you from the love of God. Does anybody believe God loves them in here? Right? First John tells us that he first loved us. And just because we are facing giants and just because our nation is facing giants and the world is facing giants, I believe, now God didn't cause it because he is good, not bad. Jesus said what in John 14, not 14, but John 10, 10, Satan comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, the son of God, come to give life and life more abundantly. The John 10, 10 line, devil bad, God good. But there's times that God allows bad things to happen to good people because it's scriptural. It says the rain rains on the just and the unjust. In other words, the just and the unjust, we all live on the same planet at the same time dealing with similar things. But God gives us a promise that this nation shall be saved. I believe in the law of my heart. This nation shall be saved. I'm not talking about by words or by politics, by the donkey or the, you know, or any of that, the, the donkey or the elephant or the in-betweens. I'm not talking about them. God bless all of them. But they're not my source. So I'm not in fear. But if they're your source, you're shaky this morning. You, you wobbled all weekend. I mean, you couldn't even watch your ball games because you so tore up over the news. I'm not saying don't watch the news. I watched it about 15 minutes to get my spirit of what's going on. That's about it. I wouldn't have done that if Steph said, you might want to listen to the news. There's some stuff going on. But it doesn't move me because my promise is in the bread. The giants just reveal my promise. I believe What's going on is a travesty and a tragedy. And it doesn't matter who your leaders are, people. You got to pray for them because lives depend on it, right? Whatever group you support, you got to pray for whoever's the leader because they're leading our nation. And this is the nation under God. And I know, I know, I know some of the prophets missed it. And some of maybe people in this room missed it. But but God knew who was going to be elected president. Now, he didn't choose them. The people chose them. But God loves us enough that he will give us a way through. That even whatever goes on in the next two years or whatever, what God is going to do, I'm telling you, he is setting us up 
for the power and the love of God to move in our midst like we could never imagine on our own. I, I believe God, you know, right now, if you're going to be a politician, it's a calling or you're a crook. <laughs> or you're just not really smart, you know, one of those things. Or you feel insignificant and you need significant. I don't know what it is, brother. It's kind of like being a preacher. You better be called or you will die early. Did you know that I think it's 75 or 78% of pastors quit by the age of 50? That's not, I'm not talking about the ones that retired after 50. I'm talking about are out of the ministry. And it's the same way with politics. But I believe God is raising up a firebrand of men and women of God that will be in the political arena over the coming years that will begin to transform things and change things. Or he's going to come back real quick. <laughs> Either way, we win. But even those people, we pray for them and encourage them, but they're not our leaders. I mean, they're the leaders of our nation. We understand the laws. We support the laws. But what I'm talking about is they're not our source. And how can we pray for great leaders to be raised up and to get into office and that if we're living in fear? You know, I wish the church, I'm not talking about the military leadership, I'm talking about, I wish the church would band together like the fighting men and women of this nation do whenever a crisis hits. They're ready to go into the land and take out whoever that took out their fellow patriots and others. Steph and I went to celebrate Pastor Bill Walton's 50th birthday. Don't tell him I said 50. No, he's all right. 50th birthday this week. And it was just a wonderful time. Actually, uh, on a Sunday afternoon dinner, I got to pray for his mother and father for healing and his brother, just a great minister, uh, great deal there. And so he's going to be here in September along with some other great people. You have fun. Um, now, why did I? Oh, oh, so Steph and I were, had to fly out of Cincinnati because the Lexington Airport was closed Friday, as y'all remember, and Saturday if you had to go anywhere. Whoever asphalt does all the asphalt on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the airport, whatever. God bless them. <laughs> Lord. So we drove to Cincinnati and went to get another flight and fly out Saturday morning early, but we were having dinner and there was a soldier sitting by us and he was an officer, maybe a colonel, I think. And he was really sad and kind of, you know, drinking a little bit and stuff. You could tell he's a little down. He wasn't drunk or anything, but he was just hurt. And I heard him on the phone say to his wife, I'm all right, honey, I'm here. Everything went good. I mean, I, it was hard delivering his body to the family. It was hard. He's a you know, such a good friend of mine, younger than me. I mentored him, and, you know, it's just, it was tough, but the family handled it okay, and, I mean, the procession was so long today. Oh, my goodness, it went on and on. It was so honoring, and they honored the soldiers, and then I'm saying, oh, okay. So I, when he got off, I said, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I had better days. I said, well, I heard what you said. I just want to tell you we thank you for your service, and we honor you and every soldier, especially the fallen, and, he said, yeah, you won't hear it on the news. They won't tell you, but one of my best friends was killed in Afghanistan about a month ago. And um, it was a, 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 a ID, what do you call them? Personal bombs, huh? IED? I ain't gonna say that. Okay, IED, that, that blew up and killed him and some other people around. But he said, you won't hear about it on the news. But he says, you know, that's okay. We're still soldiers. And we have a purpose and we have a mission and we're brothers and sisters and one falls, we all fall. When one hurts, we all hurt. 
And he says, we're crying today, but we'll be fighting tomorrow. And I thought, wow. What if the church was like that? We might cry today, but we're going to fight tomorrow. We're going to fight. We're going to step in and face the giants that we got to face And we're going to take over enemy-held territory. Why? Because on the other side of your problem lies the promise. The other side of the problem lies your promise. And it says what? We, we are what? We are going to have giants as bread. In other words, These giants think they're so tough, they're going to become nourishment to me and give me more authority, more faith, and more power because I'm going to overcome them through the blood of Jesus. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Now, you also see this day when when it says, I believe in Matthew's Gospel 7, is it or wherever it was, this day he gave us our daily bread, right? But but look at this. This is interesting. I'll read a verse to you out of uh, Psalm 23, and then we'll pray. Psalm 23, let's look at Psalm 23, I'll have to find it here. My, my Bible, as you can see, has got some issues. Sometimes things get out of whack and been used a little bit, right? So, um, let me look at Psalm 23, here we go. Look at this. Well, it's so good, I'll just read all Five, six verses. Verse one, Psalm 20. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, right? Standing for his name's sake. We're in it not for us, but for him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now look at this, verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know who's being served on that table? Your giants. Your giants, if you will operate in faith and love and hope and keep being persistent to do what the Word says and what God says, those giants are going to become your nourishment that you're facing in your life. says, you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy. Everybody say, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, isn't it interesting? Isn't this interesting? Before you get to that good part right there, that he's going to prepare a table with my enemies. He says up there in verse 4, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. What's he talking about? I will fear no evil for you are with me. In other words, if you're, it doesn't mean you won't have some fear you face or you, you get a little down a day or a week, but you just got to fight through. But when you get to a place you're walking in faith, what happens? Whenever you begin to believe more in his promise than the problems you're facing or the world's facing. When his promise becomes more real to you, that's when the enemy's going to be thrown on your table and they're going to become your bread, your nourishment. Now, isn't it interesting? You know, a lot of people read this at funerals. I don't read it at funerals because, I I mean, I read other good scriptures at funerals, but I just don't think that's... 
I mean, by the time people get that revelation, it's over. Yeah, you don't fear because you're either in one place or the other. Come on. <laughs> helps the families. But I do other stuff that helps the family. Goodness and mercy do what? what no, what's that? That F word? You mean follow, not in front of you. Well, if it's good and you'll show me mercy, Lord, I'll face my giants. No, it says, goodness and mercy follow me because I fear not and I believe in the promises of God and I walk toward the problem. I walk toward the situation. I walk toward the giants because if I don't get in their presence, God can't dress them for my table. Say, those giants are my bread. Say, those giants are my bread. So we're getting ready to pray. Just want to build your faith a little bit before we pray. Hallelujah. There is a move of God, I believe. The next great awakening is already happening. And it will be a great awakening of, filled with signs and wonders and all the five-fold ministry offices, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and they will be operating together in one house, not just out here on their own running all over. There'll be those, there's always those. But the, the core ones that bring the great, this great move, and, the Bible, and it's been talked about and prophesied that there will be wells springing up all over our lands. And, and Kentucky is believed to be the pivotal point from the little Red River House move in 1800 to 1801 to Cane Ridge. Then you had, you know, you had the thing in Wales first, then you, you had Azusa Street. So there is a great move of God. Say, there is a great move of God in the earth. There is a great awakening in the earth, in Kentucky, in my church, in me. Now, I am in a great awakening of God's power, gifts, His works and wonders. I'm in the middle of it. I'm His weapon to battle spiritual warfare and to overcome and set my table with the imps from hell as my bread for my nourishment. Give Jesus a shout of praise, brother. Oh, come on. Give Jesus a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, let's stand. Miss Gwen, can you come and pray? Uh, I want you to pray for our soldiers in Afghanistan and all the, the church that's there in Afghanistan. And we could probably do it down here since we don't have our rails up yesterday. I don't want Miss Gwen walking up or, or you want to help her up. Can you? Oh, she's, I've got this. Well, get on, get on this side. Well, there's a rail. Yeah, just get on this side. Y'all watch my mama here. I don't want nothing to happen to her. Man. And so, Miss Gwen, we'll back you and pray with you. I want you to release your faith and our faith together for the nation of Afghanistan and for all those that hunger for God, for a move of God, and especially for our soldiers and their families and all those that have helped this nation. And then also pray for our leaders yes. and our nation. And uh, let's even pray to command these storms to cease that no death or harm happens, even though I think some already has, but we can stop what we know right now.
Amen. Let's agree with Miss Gwen right now. As, as a family of yes, God, God, we come God, there God, together yes, in the name of Jesus. Yes, we Lord. come lifting up our voice yes, unto Father. you in the name of Jesus because we know that yes, you God. are the way, yes, you, you are. are the truth, and you, you are, are the light. In yes, the God, name of Jesus, Jesus. and you are God, the help yes, of God, 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 God for, God, for God, our brothers and sisters and for all. Oh, God of, of Afghanistan, yes, God. we want to lift up the military yes, in the name God. of yes, Jesus. Lord, you are their protection. Glory to God in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we come because we believe you, because we trust you in the name of Jesus, that you are already moving on their behalf. And we come to give you thanks in advance in the name of Jesus. We thank and give you glory for our men and women, oh God, yes, that God. are there in the name yes. of Jesus. Lord, as you guide them, we thank and praise you for the wisdom and for the knowledge and the understanding that you're giving unto them yes, in the name of Jesus. We're thanking you for their protection, yes, for the protection of their families, oh God, yes, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. We lift them up, oh God. Yes, Glory God. to God. Yes, God. Lord, as they fight, oh God, yes, on God. our behalf, yes, fighting, Lord. oh God, for freedom. Yes, in the Father. name of Jesus. And Father, we glorify yes, and we magnify you for your goodness and for your mercy, oh God. Yes, God. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, we come. Glory to God. Yes, and we stand yes, today in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Glory to God. No. Yes, God. Glory to God that the enemy yes. is trodden down in the name of Jesus. Glory. Yes, God. Glory to God. It's trodden down. Glory yes, to God. Glory to God. And Father, just as you, glory to God, just as you were yes. the Israelites when they came, yes, glory to God. And there was the Red yes. Sea. Oh God, and there was a Eat uh, the army behind them. Yes, Glory Lord. to God. But Lord, you caused the, the, the wheels on the wagon to wobble. You caused, oh God. Glory yes, to God. Yes, you caused the disorganization yes. in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Lord, we're saying yes, right now, disorganized Taliban in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Disorganized. Cause them to come. Confused, oh God, cause them to turn against each other in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. For powerful is your word, Lord. Powerful is your way, Lord. Powerful is your truth, oh God. And there's no power greater than the power of the Almighty. We give 
give you glory and we thank you in the mighty name, the wonderful name, the glorious yes. name of Jesus. We thank you, yes, yes, and we give you glory, Lord. Glory to God as we back here, as we here together in the name of Jesus, brothers and sisters. We are crying out for our brothers and sisters all over the land. Glory to God. Yet the day of Satan, that there would be a freedom. Glory to God. That only God can bring. And we give you glory. We give you praise, oh God. We glorify and we magnify you. In Jesus' name. And every giant in every land shall become our bread. Yes, Jesus. In our personal lands, in our nation's lands, and in the nations of this world, every giant shall become the bread to the Lamb of God, His church, and we are that church, and greater is He who's in us than He who is in this world. There's no other name that can stand against that name, the power of that name, Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I'm telling you, if you believe that today, glory to God, if you believe that today, my God, lift your voices up to God. Lift your hands, whatever you have to do. Now, shout, name it as this days in the lands of Jesus. Yes, Church, you hear the chains falling this morning. over your belly area here, your diaphragm, and say, Father, stir up the assignment you placed in me. Stir up your assignment in my life this morning. Stir it up, Father. Stir it up, Lord. 
shake me, move me, challenge me to step into the promise you spoke it over my life so that I can bring your promise to pass in the earth, in Jesus' name. Give me one more shout of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. Wow, it feels so good up here, Michael. I don't know if he's in here or not, but Michael helped head this thing up. They got the carpet on the steps. Probably get drywall here the next week or so, but man, it just feels more anointed being out here with you all. Amen. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Say kingdom assignment. I guess I'll just do a few scriptures. I, I was going to give you three clues to your kingdom assignment, but we don't have time this morning. But we did what God wants us to do, right? And we're just obeying God here. God told Steph and I to move here to raise up a church to Gentiles, people that look different and different educations and economic backgrounds and different beliefs and all that stuff. And that God would pour his presence out on us and that we could be an example for this region. I'm just telling you, the anointing is getting ready to go fivefold in the next 90 days over this house. Fivefold in the next 90 days over this house. That means if it's in this house, it's you. Everybody say, that's me. When we talk about kingdom assignment, God's, God has his kingdom, but it's a theocracy. He's over his kingdom. He is the direct authority. We're the indirect authority. But as I explained to you a couple of weeks ago, a police officer is an indirect authority to the judge and the judicial system. And then they're an indirect authority to the Supreme Court and all that. It just goes on and on and on, all the way to our constitution. But whenever you face an indirect authority, if they're the one in charge, they become the direct authority. So the police officer has just as much power or whatever as long as he or she's going by the law to arrest, to do, to write tickets, whatever they need to do. The Bible calls you and I what? Ambassadors. We're ambassadors, Paul said, for Christ. You know an ambassador is the same as a president being in your nation? They have protection. Uh, there's guidelines, protocols to take care of them. And where they stay is a sovereignty, is part of the sovereignty of our nation. And they're to be honored. They're not always, but they are to be. Just think about it. Where you're sitting right now, in this nation, in this world, in this city, in that chair, is the sovereignty place of God. Just as when Jesus read the book of Isaiah and sat down in, in the temple and they were ready to throw him, they tried to throw him off the cliff a few minutes later. He said, this day it is fulfilled. Talk about the Messiah's coming. He sat down and that chair in every temple is saved for the Messiah when he comes. And he read it and said, this day it is fulfilled. And he sat down. I want you to come to Revelation. Jesus wouldn't have told us that if it, in John 14 that you'll not only do the works I've done but greater works than these shall you do if it wasn't true. And that we have his DNA. He's our elder brother. He's our Lord and Savior, our elder brother, the son of God, king of kings, right? So he is the son of God, one of the Trinity, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
And he imputed or imparted his righteousness to all those who will receive it. And we are redeemed by his atoning blood. In other words, his blood, right, as a sacrifice for us is eternal blood. And when we receive that blood to wash away our sins, we are engrafted into, really receive it to believe that he rose from the dead and we're his, his sons and daughters. When that happens, what happens? The same DNA that was in Jesus is in us. The problem is we don't see it that way. The problem is our assignment gets interrupted and broken and distorted by the problems we face. Or maybe it's the good times we're experiencing, right? But what I want you to realize is his promise is real and his promise is true. And you can tap into the assignment on your life. Well, man, I I don't have time to get into it, but I will read a couple scriptures for you. Jeremiah 1, I'm going to read verses 4 and 5 from the Amplified. Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. And this will really set up next week when I get into the three clues of your assignment. And what it's setting up is you got to realize that God does and will speak to you. God can and does speak to you, I mean. The Holy Spirit can and does speak to you. Well, you know, how am I going to know His voice? Well, I know Stephanie's voice because she speaks to me. Yeah, but an audible voice. You don't have to have an audible voice. You know when the, you're a born-again believer, you don't even have to be Spirit-filled. You're filled with the Spirit, but not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't even have to be that to know when the Holy Spirit's directing you. The Holy Spirit's guiding you. I know her voice, right? And, and the boys know her voice, right? And so what I want you to realize, that's the same way of knowing God's voice. It's not complicated, people. Well, how do I work in my gifts, my talents? The Bible says by the reason of use, by practice. You got to practice when you hear his voice. And, and don't just get off and be a lone ranger or whatever. Bring it before spiritual leaders, you know, set in this place that can give you wise counsel if it's something really serious and see if you if you really heard God or maybe it's not the timing of it or maybe, maybe it did, right? But but it's but we gotta under, we gotta practice it and, and put it in front of people that we know and love that we trust that are spiritual people. And let them help us navigate us. We're hearing God's voice. I mean, think about Samuel, right? Whenever his mother dedicated him because she'd been believing for a child, couldn't have one. Beautiful story there about all that. She dedicated him to the Lord, so he began to live in the temple once he got weaned and stuff. And uh, the priest and his family had pretty much back, his whole family had backslidden. He had Eli. They'd all Backslidden, they'd turned the house of God, the temple, into a place of prostitution and selling all the stuff coming in. And it was the end of the days for Eli, and God was setting up Samuel. And and God came to him in a, a dream and spoke to him on two occasions, and he kept coming to Samuel. Samuel said, "Well, go back to sleep, son. God give you, and you'll hear it later." But the third time he comes back and said the same thing, he told Samuel. He said, that's God. Go back and follow what God tells you to do. Eli was wanting to make sure for him, his own self that it was true because he knew what was next, his end. So what I want you to realize, God can and does speak to you. But are you listening to that still, small voice in your heart, in your spirit? <clears throat> Jeremiah tells us this, verses four, Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, 
I knew you. For I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Well, Jesus said God is no respecter of persons. The Bible tells us that Jesus is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's no respecter of persons, the same every day, the same all the way through, right? Beginning, middle, and end. Then that means that word is still true for us today. He's no respecter of persons. God is not going to speak to a five-fold ministry gift and not speak to you. Miss Gwen, anybody believe she hears God? Well, she's not up here saying, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I'm a minister. I, I believe she's a prophet. I know that. But she probably wouldn't even tell you that. So what I want you to realize is you hear God and God speaks to you. And it's very important for you to walk in your kingdom assignment because this is not a natural assignment. It's not a human assignment. It's a kingdom assignment. And God knew you and designed you before you were in your mama's womb. Before your mom and dad ever had a twinkling in their eye, God knew you. Oh, I don't know if I believe that, Pastor. Oh, you don't, huh? Well, what about the scripture in 2 Timothy? I'll read it in the amp. I'll always quote it to you in the New King James. Verses 1 and 9. Said, for he delivered us and saved us and called us with a holy calling. What kind of calling? That word kaleo means to legally summon you, to call you. What? A calling that leads to a consecrated life, a life set apart, a life of purpose. Everybody say purpose. So the reason God saved and called you, he created you, is what? Because he has a purpose for you and your assignment. God doesn't make junk and he doesn't make mistakes. And because, look at this, for a life of purpose, and not because of our works, not because of our talents, our skills, our knowledge. He'll use all that. Or because of any personal merit, we could do nothing to earn this. But, everybody say but, because of his own purpose and grace. The reason he is so interested in you and created you and all that thing, and then you're, you come into existence and your mom and dad come together. He knew they'd come together, blah, blah, all that DNA, blah, blah. But anyway, he, isn't it interesting when you have more than one in your family, siblings or whatever, how different each sibling is, right? God designed it that way. It says, but because of his own purpose and grace, his amazing undeserved favor, his amazing undeserved favor, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus. Now, now read that. What does it say? In Christ Jesus when? Say, read that last line with me. Before, read it out loud. Eternal ages ago. So, look at what that says. I want you to get this in your heart. When we're talking about the kingdom assignment on our life, which is the highest calling of our life, Whenever we understand that, guys, what happens is we got to realize it was granted us in Christ Jesus, in the anointed one and his anointing before the world began, eternal ages ago. And then we go back to scriptures, and we'll pray here in a moment. We go back to scriptures. You hear me talk about all time in Genesis 1, right? 26 through 28, 26, 27. 
said, you know, we created, I created them in my own image, in our own image, our own likeness. Have we created them both male and female? In his own image and likeness, he created us both male and female. I could take you, I did it a couple years ago about the judges of God and all that, about how our, our history and promises are already written in the book in heaven. And it's up to us to get into that book. And we hear, get that book through the discernment of God and the voice of God and through practice. But he's got all kinds of promises over you. James Locke said, you know, he's back there, one of my armor bearers. And, and I come in, he just, hey, pastor, praise God. Woo, man, I'm in my closet trying to get a jacket. He's helping me. He said, isn't it something? God, take a little boy from Eastern Kentucky. Raise him up and take him on this whole journey to bring him back. He and his lovely wife to plant a church like Bethel and, and that we got our family together here because a little old boy in Eastern Kentucky, nobody ever thought would even live until he's 21. Become a man of God. She become a woman of God to lead his people. And nobody could do that but God. But that's my story. You have a story. Every one of you have a story. Your story... Listen, going through is important. Everybody say through is important. You don't want to get stuck, right? You want to get through. Because whatever you got to get through, when you get on the other side, it's like one of those little games you eat a fruit or something, and boom, you get more power, right? You get more anointed, more faith, more experience to go on to the next one, the next level of life. And God has these amazing uh, different assignments, not just one, but multiple assignments on you. Obviously, if you're a parent, an assignment to be a great husband and wife, assignment to, you know, if you're a single parent, to be a great mom or dad, to raise those kids under the fear and the love of God. Whatever your vocation is, that and that's your assignment, but you're to do what? You're to bring the kingdom there. Not pseudo-religion, but you're to love people right there. You're, 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 you're to show them Jesus right there. Even through your addiction and your pain, you can show the glory of God. Coming through that and conquering it. And you can be a champion for others to come through the same addiction and pain you've been through. The abuse you've been through, you can champion that instead of trying to bury it and hide it, just, just put it under the blood and forgive everybody involved, even if it includes yourself. Just forgive everybody and just walk forward in that. And now it becomes a power to minister that no one that's never been through that could minister from but you. There are men and women, boys and girls, waiting for us to step up in our assignment. Zach does it at his restaurant. He's, a, he's a, in management there. He's going to be assistant general manager if you haven't. Have you got that? Huh? Just got your promotion. Praise God. He, he's so humble, he won't tell you what rest. It's, it's Jeff Ruby's. So, yeah, assistant general manager. And But he you hear him testify about pastoring the servers and loving them and praying for them and standing with them. Ashley's the same way. They both just have that heart to love, to minister. God's using her and her job. She's that too. I know their life because Zach was on a call with me once a week for a year. God bless him, right? And Ashley's still on a call with me. Help her, Jesus, right? With a group of others, leaders. But it's been so cool to see them on their journey and Zach on his journey, especially going through COVID and what it did to the industry and 
during that time, Ashley got a new job and now how God's got him in a new place to live and just doing great things. But uh, I wonder, Zach, where you all would be if you had not already been pursuing your assignment from God. Because you told me at one time you felt like you kind of pushed that assignment to the side and, and then God convicted you when you came to Bethel and stirred you. Now you're back. Now Ashley's in it. <clears throat> see, see, your blessing and your promise is in your assignment. It's in your assignment. The, the, every assignment has a location. How can you not have an assi- how can you have an assignment and not a location to be in? I can't locate or get a map or GPS of where I want to go to locate where I am. Oh, I'm going to Cincinnati. Well, am I in Kentucky or Florida or Georgia? Where am I coming from? New York? No. I'm in Lexington. I'm going to Cincinnati. Then I can I can map it out. Even if there's some roadblocks or accidents, I can take some alternate routes, but I can get to my promise. I want to ask you today, what's your assignment? Because I can't fulfill my assignment if you don't tap into your assignment. Now, God has set me as the apostle and pastor of this house, this ministry, and apostle of some other ministries, but set me in that. I'm the father of this house. Whether you like it or not, or even like me or not, if you sit under me long enough, you'll get markings. And if somebody told you, but that's Dalton, no, it's not. I don't even like him anymore. It doesn't matter. It's still Dalton. Because if you allow me to be your spiritual father, even for a season, you'll start getting markings of that. And if you're locked in, you'll get even more markings. Now, I'm not saying this braggadociously or anything like that, but you have a spiritual father that's won tens of thousands to the Lord over 10,000 in this house, but tens of thousands. You, you have a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. With, we've laid hands on people and blind eyes have opened and deaf ears have opened. Many of you have seen it right here, but also in other churches and cripple walk. And not like it's happening every day, but it happens. A lot of stuff happens pretty consistently. How many of you have seen a miracle in this house that you knew was a miracle? You either experienced it or saw it in this house, right? So, then if that's on me and this is your place, you're going to get some of that. I said, you're going to get, matter of fact, the Lord just correct me. You're not going to get it. You're going to be able to identify it in yourself because God drew you here. And if he drew you here, he drew you here because of assignment on our life and the assignment on our life. Therefore, whatever is in our life you, you have markings in your identity that maybe you haven't recognized the signpost yet. That you're to pray for the sick, win the lost, love the ones you've won. So just as I attach myself to other men of God as well that are, that are shaping and help shaping me as I help even shape some of them. Because we're assigned to be together. And if we're walking in an assignment, then more and more gets revealed. And I want you to realize right now, your assignment is not just to get through. Your assignment is not just to be holy. You can be so holy, you're separated from everyone that ever sins. How are you going to win a sinner, anyone to the Lord? You're so pure, you're all by yourself. No, I'm not saying go out and sin and all that. What I'm saying is be a light. 
Did you ever notice a light in a light? You don't see it. But when you're a light in the darkness, the whole room lights up. Be a light at work. Be a light in that cubicle. Be a light on that assembly line. Be a light man on that garbage truck. Be a light in that courtroom. Be a light in that political office. Wherever you are, be a light in that ministry. Be a light. Everybody say, be a light. One of the scriptures that God really helped us as we come over this property would be be a city on a hill. Well, I think it's time to get the city off the hill and get it all throughout the city. How about that? I do. I really do. I believe it. You know, and our men's ministry is doing that wonderfully out there. And we got Brandon and them guys starting to do that. And they've already been doing it. We're doing some stuff with them. And Miss Kathy and her team, you're doing it. But, man, it's just a small drop of what God's getting ready to do. You may ever hear of Catherine Kuhlman. I know all of us old people have. But if you've studied the Word of God, she's one of the greatest revivalists of all healing. You may ever heard of Benny Hinn. He Topped in the great heyday of his ministry, and I met him, been in some dinners with him. Anyway, that was who he looked up to. He never met her personally. He's up in a big arena, 10, you know, 10 15,000 people, and he was up there, but he got an impartation, and God did great things through his ministry. But she would just say, Welcome, Holy Spirit. There came the Holy Spirit. Just have your way. Elegant dresses and stuff. And you know, She's probably had the greatest healing ministry, single, even greater than Oral Roberts or anybody in this, in this nation. Now think about this. And the, Oral Roberts, all those great guys, great men of God. But you know how she got called, Katie? You might remember the story. She was in the choir in a little church in a town. Just a choir girl sitting up in the, they had those lofts where you had all the choir. And she said there was ministry going on and the Holy Spirit come on her, and someone was preaching about being the one or something like that and healing. And send. Who are you going to send? Who are you going to send? And all of a sudden, the Lord said, I want to send you. Well, back then, you still have it some, but a woman in ministry was looked down on. I mean, in spiritual churches even. Very few churches would honor any woman let her preach, teach, or any of that stuff. And God said, I want you to accept the call. I'm going to have you be a great minister heal the sick, raise it, do all these great, bring the lost to me. And she started weeping. They probably thought, oh, she's really into this sermon. She wasn't hearing that sermon. She's talking to God. She knew God's voice. And she said, but Lord, and she did it in her dramatic fashion, but Lord, there's so many men out there. So many men in the choir. There's so many men on the audience. There's so many men preaching and singing and they have great gifts and talents. Why not one of them? He said, I tried. But they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't fulfill it, but I know you can. And right there, she accepted that calling. And go on YouTube and start watching Catherine Kuhlman. I'll tell you, you want to see some great moves and miracles in the 60s and 70s. So why not you? I said, why not you? Why not you lay hands on the sick and they recover? Why not? Why not you love people, witness people when they come to Christ? Why, why not you getting people filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered from all manner of addiction and disease and hurts and brokenness? Why not you? Let me tell you something. When Parker, he wouldn't tell you, but 
one night I'm sitting in my lazy boy watching something on TV and he and some of the guys from the youth group and some of the leaders came in the house one night and pastor, pastor, Parker's going to preach his first message. He's going to preach his first message. And Parker kind of sat down in a chair. He said, no, guys, I told you I'm going to pray about it and all this. And Well, these other guys, they're going to preach their first, but we believe he's going to preach his first when they preach their first. He's like, guys, I told you I'll pray about it. And so they leave, and we're all having fun. And I looked at us and said, what's up, buddy? Well, Dad, I, I'm praying about it. I said, okay. He said, I know I'm called. I know I'm called, and I already knew that. But I, I'd never call one of my kids because Mark and I know <laughs> you better be called or you will get killed. You'll be lunch. It's tough enough when you are called. But it just means you got a bigger promise, that's all. So I, I just, I know I'm called, Dad, but I, I'll be a senior in high school next year, and then I'm going to college. And I watched the price you and Mom paid and I know once I accept my calling with the Lord and I preach that first message, there's no turning back. I got to know that I know. Can I live it my senior year? Can I live it in college? Can I live it? Can I do it? I said, that's wisdom, buddy. Don't ever let anyone else push you into something that you don't have a release from the Holy Spirit doing. And I think it's two or three months later when in Parker, you preached your first message after that. Was it your junior year or senior year? Senior year? Sophomore year? Shout it out. What year? What did he say? Junior year. So I was right. And I just have such respect for it. So I have no doubt about him. I know he's going to crush it. And if he don't, it's just going to be a lesson to him so he gets better. Because I've watched him walk his calling out. He's not perfect. He's my kid. How could he be? You know, I'm not perfect. But I don't want to spoil it for you. You're not perfect either. We all have our battles. We all have our giants. But the way you overcome your giants is not just focusing on your fear or focusing on your giant or focused on your problem or focused on your pain. Use your pain. I'm going to teach you next week how to use your anger. A lot of times your, your anger says, be angry and sin not, right? So sometimes I'm angry and I definitely sin. Then I have to repent. Like you and everybody else, we all do. We're human. We're living in a messed up world. And we're imperfect. But don't look for things that disqualify you. Just say yes. Well, I, I believe I'm called to preach. I'll meet with Pastor Mark next week and I'll get in the line. No, no see, that's you're not ready. You're probably not even called if it's that easy for you. You start where you're at. And you serve where you're at because God is the one that promotes us. God is the one that promotes us. And his timing's perfect. All we do is say yes. We don't have to advertise it. We just say yes, Lord. 